What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-sports.com. Fall camp, getting close to wrapping up. Install's pretty much done. They got a big scrimmage coming up on Saturday. And then from here on out, it's just pretty much a regular schedule for the next two weeks leading up to that game against Western Carolina. We're going to talk about everything that we've learned so far. And I'm going to allow you guys to, to ask questions really from the get-go. And you guys are going to kind of kind of drive the show, see where the conversations goes. All that and more on today's episode of Hogsports Live. Before we get started, I want to remind you there's plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always tune in on Facebook Live. Be sure to follow the page if you haven't done so already with 90,000 other Razorback fans. Also available on YouTube. Subscribe to the page. Hit the notifications bell so you're alerted anytime we upload new videos. I think we're up to like 16,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. Most of the people who watch the show on YouTube aren't even subscribed. So go ahead and do that so you are notified because, guys, we're about to start on our regular schedule of Monday and Thursday, pregame previews, all that kind of good stuff. So it's going to be a pretty active show. So you're going to want to be alerted if you want all the latest intel on what's going on with Razorback Sports. Uh, Also available on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't taken a moment to throw us that five-star review, we would certainly appreciate that. And, of course, as I always say, show the video to your pappy. He doesn't have internet. He doesn't know about it. He's not an internet person. He's a big hog fan, but he doesn't know. Just show him on your phone. Show him how to get to it. He wants to know. All right, everybody. Where do we start out? Alex Collins. Alex Collins' tragic passing, I mean, that one hits deep, especially with everything that's been going on. I mean, the last four months have just been just brutal. I mean, Chris Smith, Deion Stutz, the, the recruit who was committed to Arkansas, Ryan Mallett in June, and then Alex Collins. I mean, and Alex Collins, I mean, obviously – We've talked about all the those tragedies and stuff, and Alex is the latest one. Uh, man, motorcycles scare me sometimes. It's always – I mean, no matter how good you are at it, somebody can pull out in front of you, and it's just – it's a scary deal. Alex Collins was a special dude. Uh, I can remember when he was being recruited to Arkansas. It takes a unique person to jump 1,300 miles to Arkansas, all the way from South Florida. And he was the first guy when I started covering – Uh, Arkansas sports over, you know, it's been 20 years. But he was the first guy that I can remember could have gone to Florida, Florida State, Miami, all the big three Florida schools, and chose to come to Arkansas. And uh, it was was a major win in recruiting. And I can still remember watching his lacrosse videos, just how he was just kind of clowning on everybody. And he got up here. I remember his first press conference. No, it wasn't a press conference. It was just just kind of a scrum all around him. And – I remember after he got done, he was like, you know, hollering back to his teammates, nailed it, nailed it. Uh, he was just, you know, different, just a different guy, just personality-wise. Uh, obviously, uh, a terrific talent. You know, he was number one ranked running back in the country on 24-7 sports, number 17 overall prospect nationally. So it was a big deal getting Alex Collins at Arkansas. And, uh, you know, he's, if you go to his Twitter page, it's still, you know, whoopig suey for life. You know, back in 2016, it's still up there. So – you know, thoughts out to him, his family, and, I mean, I just feel like I'm saying that too much lately. So, no good way to segue from Alex Collins, but we are going to take your questions, obviously. So far, I don't have any, any comments, but I'm going to put up some video here of practice. Uh, I think this is maybe a couple of days ago when they were in pads, maybe yesterday when they were in pads. Let's see, where is it? Here we go. So, 
I've obviously talked about, you know, whether I think this is Sam Pittman's best team or not at Arkansas. I think it has a very good chance of being his best team when you look at the personnel top to bottom. Returning, you know, a multi-year starter at quarterback in K.J. Jefferson. Some argue that he's the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, I think Saturday Down South had him ranked number one. I think 24-7 Brad Crawford had him one. I've seen him also, you know, third. Or lower. I've seen him lower than that on different stuff. So, but I think that at worst, K.J. Jefferson's a top three quarterback for you. He's learning a new offense. That's been an adjustment for people. That's been an adjustment, not just for, you know, wide receivers and quarterbacks, but blocking has been different. Uh, it's different for running backs. It's different for the offensive line. You know, a lot of times a more pro-style offense is going to be more complicated, obviously, than, you know, an up-tempo spread. So there are definitely nuances to the offense, and they should be wrapping up install here probably tomorrow. I would assume that's the last day. It might have been today, but I think maybe tomorrow will be the last day of install. Today was a bit of a shorter practice. Uh, I think they trimmed it off of about 40, 45 minutes or so. Thursday will be a full practice in full pads. Friday will be a lighter practice, and Saturday will be a scrimmage. I assume it's going to be closed to us. I'd love to go watch some of that, but I assume it's going to be closed. Just based on the last scrimmage, sound like the defense, uh, you know, maybe got the best of the offense, particularly getting after the quarterback. Now you have to remember that Jacoby Criswell and K.J. Jefferson can move. They're good runners. Uh, and they're getting called down when somebody gets close to them, you know, probably not even tagging off on them, just getting close to them. So you have to keep that in mind that, you know, they probably would have eluded some of that. But I don't know where the pressure was coming from exactly because, you know, from reports that I've had from talking to people close to the program, inside the program, you know, Sam Pittman felt like Andrew Shambly did a really good job, you know, going back watching him on film. They were really pleased with him uh, as he replaces uh, Devon Manuel, who's been out for just a little bit, should be back soon here. Hopefully by the scrimmage Saturday, he'll be back out there. But they felt like he's done well. I, I kind of was watching the tight ends the other day. I feel like they still have some work to do. You know, when you get past Luke Hazard, I think has been pretty good. But, you know, Varky's gum still has some work to do as a blocker. Picking up things, I think. Uh, I don't know that it's fair to say it's been a challenge for him, but it's been uh, – you know, he arrived late, so he's a little bit later – uh, to the party, but man, the talent that guy has catching the ball. I just I feel like they're going to have some real weapons uh, in the passing game at tight end, wide receiver. Really been impressed with Andrew Armstrong here of late. Been impressed for a long time with uh, with Isaac Tesla. I was watching the running backs today. They were doing some drills, some blocking drills and stuff. And I was watching Rocket Sanders. He comes up on the screen here, and a couple of guys like. I think DeBinion went first, and then some other back went first. Usually Rocket always first, and maybe I was just getting to, you know, in the middle of the drill. But, you know, they've got a GA holding the dummy. And I remember when Rocket went up there and and hit that dude, and he just goes, mm! like you could, you could tell he felt a little bit like his lungs went through his back when Rocket went up there and smacked him. And he was kind of coming around, coming away with a smile on his face. But, I mean, you got Rocket Sanders back there. As long as you got Rocket Sanders, you, you've got a chance to, to do some big things. And I've, I've liked what I've seen out of DeBinion. I mean, DeBinion's kind of been a big uh, talking point out of camp just from the progress that he has made from last year, you know, embracing the weight room, just being in overall better physical shape. You know, he's more of a – Stop and go, spinning, you know. He's got, you know, what is it, the X button? I don't even know. The circle button, I guess, is a spin move. He's got a lot of ability like that. Brings a lot of different things to the table. And I've been encouraged with what I've seen out of Dominic Johnson, too. I mean, Dominic had a really good scrimmage, had a nice long run. There was another play where he got his – put his hand down. They called him down, but would have been another long run. Isaac Tesla had a good scrimmage, not even just from 
not even just from catching the ball, but from my sources within the program, there was one play where he blocked three people on on one play. And uh, they've been pleased with him. You know, talking also, like, I asked somebody within the team, like, all right, it's third and eight. Where where are you going with the ball? And the, the person told me, yeah, well, if you ask the quarterbacks, it's four and nine and two. So, But he said four, nine, and two. So that's Tesla, Lucas, and Andrew Armstrong. I'll tell you who else, man. Isaiah Satania has had a really good camp. Like, it looks like a completely different player. Looks like somebody else out there. And he's had ability. He was just always, I don't know, kind of seemed more timid to me last year. And there is no, there is none of that anymore this year. I mean, he is aggressive. I think that he's going to have a really nice season, especially with the number of screen passes I expected them to throw, just based on what we've seen in practice. They're going to throw over the middle, as I've said before, but you're going to see screen passes. There's a lot of combo routes, as you can see on the screen. They're working on stuff now, um, rub routes, all those kinds of things. So it's going to be different. I mean, maybe to the casual observer, they may not notice a lot of differences, but to people who are like diehard fans, you're, you're definitely going to see some differences with this offense. Defensively, I've gone on and on about the defensive line. I just love the looks of this defensive line. I just – it's a good-looking group with one guy after another. And, you know, I've said before now, there's somebody who's told me, he's like, there are four NFL defensive linemen. There are four NFL defensive linemen on this team. And that's what, you know, kind of what Cody Kennedy was saying, offensive line coach was saying yesterday, like – you know, these guys are going – it's interesting to hear them say they're, you know, going against SEC caliber defensive linemen. Like, well, I would hope – I would hope that that's what they are because they're playing in the SEC. But, you know, are they above that? Does SEC quality defensive linemen, does that mean an NFL guy, you know? And, you know, if I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, who's an NFL guy on here? I think Landon Jackson possibly. You know, when you look at his – him physically, Trajan Jeffcoat. Actually, the pronunciation is Trajan, Trajan. Trajan Jeffcoat. Uh, oh, I've got another one for you, too, speaking of uh, pronunciations, but it's Trajan Jeffcoat. Uh, Cam Ball, is he an NFL guy? You know, and then who else? Is it Tank Booker? Possibly. But you got four NFL guys, as they think, on the defensive line. That's pretty damn good. Uh, oh, say, the other pronunciation I wanted to mention, because we've said Isaiah Augustav, Isaiah Augustave, all kinds of different ways. And usually, a lot of times with somebody's name if you don't know how to pronounce it a lot of times it's just the smoothest way that it could possibly come out so the way to, to think about this is augusta national and out of v augustov isaiah augustov isaiah augustov say it three times use it in a sentence you're going to need to remember his name because they're really high on him they think he is just going to be like a stud for him in the backfield so that's not – the backfield's loaded. I mean, I, I mentioned Dominique and um, DeBinion and, you know, I didn't even talk about A.J. Green, of course, Rocket. But A.J.'s done some really good things out there too. But, you know, adding this freshman in there. And as I've said before, they feel good about the kid, like he's going to be a stud for him. Well, if he's going to be a stud for him at some point, he's going to be a stud right out of the gate. Because every, every running back that I've covered in 20 years, and I can think back even farther than that, who has been – who has done anything at Arkansas has bit as a freshman. Everyone but Michael Smith, and he had a bad hamstring issue um, and, and redshirted his first year and later had a 1,000-yard season. But everybody else, they come in and they play right away. I mean, go back and look at it. Look at every back who's gone like 1,000-yard season. And as a freshman, if they were at Arkansas, um, they had a big freshman year. They jumped on the scene early. 
Secondary has definitely seen some shakeup here lately. I mean, I think we all expected Snacks Johnson to move over there. I knew when I saw Jaheim Singletary the first day, when I saw his feet and his explosion, his change of direction, I was like, all right, they got another corner. They can move Snacks. This, this ain't going to be a problem. They have to stay healthy. Got to stay healthy, I mean, in the secondary. There are some – you know, secondary to me is maybe the thinnest area overall. I'm, I'm not 100% – like, I know that Jaheim Thomas had a really good scrimmage also. Again, talking from inside people inside the program. This is like going after, you know, watching the film. They put a lot on Jaheim Thomas to make sure that, you know, they can count on him. I'm not just like sold on the linebackers, but I feel like they're going to be at least decent, you know, at least decent and potentially good at linebacker. Uh, those young guys are really coming on. Um you know, and you may see Brad Spence and uh, what's uh, Safford? San, I'm spacing on Alex Sanford. Alex Sanford, you may see those guys a little bit, especially considering linebackers are good options to play on special teams. Uh, I'd like to see Manny Powell pick it up a little bit. I haven't seen Manny like just really flash. Carson Dean, you know, he did some good stuff in the spring. Haven't seen that same thing from him so far. So. Just a few of my thoughts here and there. I mean, I think the secondary is going to be better than they were last year. Nowhere to go but up, I know that. But uh, there actually is 133 teams, so they could be worse this year, even though there were 131 last year. That was the that was the total number of teams. But I, I think that they have got a lot of things figured out in the secondary, from camaraderie, from um, – just coaching overall. I, I, I feel like this defensive coaching staff and these players have really bonded together very well. I think you can see it out there. So they need to stay healthy on the back end, you know, secondary, linebacker, and defensive line. I mean, obviously they need to stay healthy, but I really feel like they could take, you know, take a little damage and keep on ticking pretty good. It's a, it's a nice-looking defensive front. Okay, where do we want to go? Yeah, some comments about Alex Collins. Bill Richards mentions uh, prayers for his family and friends. Dwar Johnson says, just from the eye test, will the secondary be better? I think so. I mean, I liked the looks of their secondary last year starting out. I mean, you know, having Jalen Catalan and Miles Slusher, I think both are, are good players. And I think if Catalan can stay healthy, uh, he'll do big things for Texas. I mean, he's a very instinctive player. But I really like – I like Jaheim Thomas a lot, his his potential. Uh, I think that Al Walcott has been a really – maybe as big an addition as they, they've got because they needed help at safety. Um, you know, we had – I talked to Jaden Johnson today. I asked Jaden Johnson just point blank, you know, I think you would agree with me that your sophomore year wasn't what you wanted it to be. You're, I thought, you know, you – had a good freshman year coming off that and like looking to build off that and sophomore year just kind of took a step back. Um, but if Jaden Johnson can regain some form, you know, Malik Chavis is another one. Like if Malik can take a step up and these guys can be quality backups for you, then I think that'll help you a lot. But Hudson Clark is bigger. I don't know that Hudson Clark is an all SEC player or anything like that, but I think he's definitely competent back there. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to make, disastrous plays for you 
He may not make a whole bunch of big plays, but I think he's a reliable guy back there. I think Walcott is a guy that people can kind of rally around. He's kind of got that personality. Uh, you know, Snacks isn't much of a talker in a press conference. If you watch the press conferences today, uh, he's not much of a talker there, but he is on the field. He definitely – and it's not like negative trash talk. It's just kind of like messing with your buddy kind of stuff. You know, counting when they do push-ups after they try drop a pass or something, like counting off their push-ups, those kinds of things. So, um, I do think that they will be better. I think Jaheim Singletary is a real talent. And uh, Dwight McLaughlin, I mean, D- Dwight potentially has NFL ability also at the other spot. Six, two six-two corners. Uh, I think Snacks has got what it takes to fit in there. At the, you know, I asked Snacks, I was like, you know, it's a difficult position to play, taking on blockers in the screen game, tackling running backs, covering slot receivers. And he said, difficult? I don't know if that's the word. It's like you just kind of have to be a ball player. But that's kind of what I meant. It's not like, you know, getting all your assignments down and stuff like that. It's just being instinctive and being a player. That's what kind of guy has to go in that position. I feel like players kind of gravitate away from that spot like corners don't want to be a nickel you know what I mean Uh, it's but that's always been true like safeties don't want to be linebackers linebackers don't want to be moved to defensive end there's always some resistance there because they want to be you want to be big for your position right and I always kind of felt that way with nickel but to me nickel is such a star highlight position nowadays I mean you're asked to do so many things you can play nickel back I mean, it's not like – like back in the day, it seemed like, you know, four two five was a college thing, and NFL was, you know, more of a 3-4, league. But now that guy is – that's a position that people recruit. People, there's, there's, I don't know that we have like a, a ranking category for that position, but I think we should because those guys used to be viewed as tweeners a lot of times. You know, is he a linebacker? Is he a – is he a or is he a safety? Is he a corner? Is he a – is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? That was kind of viewed as a tweener spot, and those guys didn't get ranked that high. You'll see guys that are ranked five-star, you know. Clint, Stacy Patterson, what's your opinion of the O-line and our wide receivers? Will they be able to slow the pass rush? And can the receivers get open quick enough? I like Arkansas's receivers. I think they're going to be in good shape there. And they got a guy that can get on the ball in K.J. Jefferson. The offensive line, you know, Manuel's been out for a little bit. Uh, I mean, I think the offensive line is – I think Manuel has so much upside. And, you know, from what I've heard in camp, like they are they think he has the chance to be like really, really good. Like maybe as good as, you know, their second best offensive lineman on the team this year. Uh, Kudis on the other side, I thought Bo Limmer put it well. Run blocking is run blocking. He's just devastating people, run blocking – uh, but pass blocking is something that he's got to get used to being on the edge versus, you know, in the spring, he was mostly at center and guard. And last five or so practices, he was at tackle. So he's been out there. But Kudis is a very young guy. Some guy was like, like I was talking about, like, Kudis is young, you know, all this stuff. He's got to, I think, this guy who has all these negative comments on my show, he's probably going to see this. But he's just like, quit making crybaby excuses for Patrick Kudis. Like, what kind of jerk comment is that? Like, I'm just talking about, what this guy's potential is and what his future could be like. It's not like he just sucked in a game and I'm like defending, you know, his poor play or something. I'm just saying the guy literally on August 12th turned 19. He's young. But to be that young and to be able to squat 600-plus pounds, to be just a road grader like he is in the run game, I mean, this guy's got a lot of potential. He's got potential to be good. He's got to continue to get better pass protecting. 
that's that's where Kudis has to continue to get better. And that's just going to come with more reps, primarily because he was taking, you know, playing inside. It's not a crybaby excuse. Just what a terrible way to put something to. This is like coming at me like that. It's just just mean. <laughs> I mean, why you got to be so mean, Jim? Dustin Hoofman says, heard some rule changes this season, no clock stoppage on first down and first and third quarters and no untimed downs for the same time. There are some changes. Uh, I don't think it's that going to be that big of a deal. I think you might end up with like six plays or something. But, I mean, if they pass the ball and it's incomplete, you know, the clock stops. And, you know, there's a lot more passing in college football now. I don't think it's going to make that big of an impact. I do think it's interesting that they're doing all these rules to give you less college football. I thought Josh Pate had a great comment on that about, you know, where are all these people clamoring for shorter games and less football? It's just TV people. And I get you got to pay the bills. You got commercials. But they have amped up the amount of commercials. Like every time there's an opportunity to stop, they stop. Every time there's an opportunity – to go to a commercial break, they do it. And I get it. You got to pay the bills. You got to pay the bills. But, I mean, at the expense of taking away more plays in football games, I just don't I don't know about that. But I don't I don't know that this is going to be something dramatic, you know, not stopping the clock on, on the game clock on first downs unless you're in the, at the end of the game, you know. You're still stopping it on incomplete passes. By the way, speaking of paying the bills, <laughs> Bet Saracen app. Uh, I was looking at the games this weekend, or this coming uh, in ten days, basically. Uh, that I guess that's a Thursday, but August twenty sixth. The best game, the most intriguing game, I thought was maybe Vanderbilt Hawaii, just because it's an SEC team. There's not a lot of great games on that Thursday, but man, the line is seventeen and a half on that on the Bet Saracen app. The line is 17 and a half. Vanderbilt went to Honolulu last year and beat those guys like 63 to 10. Might be something to look at. 17 and a half points. Vanderbilt's favored in that one. And the game is in Nashville this year. If they get their if they get their stadium done, what I heard is just like comically not ready. <laughs> so we'll see. Don't come at me with, like, mean stuff in my comments. Why come at me with mean stuff, especially when you twist things around? Don't be mean. There's going to be plenty of time to get mean. We're in the preseason here, guys. We haven't even started the season. That's when that's when we get angry, right? It's interesting because, you know, everybody's like, what are you predicting right now? Let me know in the comments. What are you predicting Arkansas to do this year? Because I, the way I look at it is – and, again, like I'll, I'll get chastised, I think, from the same guy about this one. Like for me to say eight and four or something, it's like I'm not saying that's something that you should be satisfied with. I'm just saying like if Arkansas has what I believe looking at the roster, an SEC roster, they should go – Eight and four, four and four, give or take, depending on how the ball bounces. But I don't think it's unreasonable to expect four and four and eight and four for this team, uh, given what they have coming back, and that I think that they are, at worst, an average SEC team. And so that's four and four to me. I think they can be better than that. But, like, what is the what is what is a good season for Arkansas in your opinion? Because if you win eleven games. To me, that's one of the ten best teams in Arkansas history. You know, Bobby Petrino went ten, uh, what won ten games in 2010 and eleven games in 2011, and 
you know, people act like he hung the moon. He was a great coach. Those were great years. But that's how the response to that was, you know, this is amazing. This is incredible. So if that's amazing and that's incredible, then what is good? What's a good season for Arkansas? Nine wins? That's kind of what I think. That's a good season for Arkansas. Ten wins? Feeling real good about that, aren't you? That's what I think. Like, ten wins, that's like, this is a great team. But it's, it's also kind of funny, like, because, you know, we might say eight and four. Let's say eight and four regular season, the chance to win nine with the bowl game. Eight and four. That's all fine. Like, you're like, that's, you know, when you're doing it in the preseason. But when you're in it, in the season, and they lose a game, even if it's a game that you, you maybe had them pick losing, and they lose it and it's close, or, you know, they just don't play that well and don't show up or something. I mean, then it's just an emotion, the anger, the disappointment that you feel in the moment. But preseason, you said four four losses, and you're like, yeah, I think that would be, you know, that would be acceptable for this team. But when you're in it, no, <laughs> it's, it's just not. Football's a great sport. It really is. The emotion, the highs and lows, the only thing that just kind of stinks about it is the injuries, you know. It's just – it's part of the game. It's it's That's why it's so important to build depth. But the emotion of college football – enjoy it I mean it goes by so fast like the season is football season is the fastest time of the year for me uh, because I love it so much but it just goes it's and it's suddenly just over so it's important to remember to enjoy it get mad expect greatness expect greatness I'm always looking at Arkansas it's like how can they be great what are the things that this program needs to do from recruiting from infrastructure from support what are the things that Arkansas needs to do to be great. And I've said before, I think one of the things that's going to help them as a program to have that potential to be great is, first of all, recruiting NIL transfer portal. The changes that have come about, Arkansas, embrace that. That's how you can change your program. And I think it's important that they brought in 18, now down to 17. A.J. Brathwaite quit the team, obviously. But I think it's important the way they built this program um, – to bring in all those transfers that they did. Now, as you get more stable as a program, and Pittman said they'd like to bring in 25 high school recruits if it's the right 25. My personal opinion, I kind of think the 2010 formula is right for a, a stable program and also counting on the fact that Arkansas needs a little bit to balance things out because they're not right next to Houston or Dallas or New Orleans. You know, Arkansas has to go a little farther away for talent. So the transfer portal and NIL is something that I think can really change things. I thought Marcus Woodson had a really good comment today because I asked him about recruiting. I think he's doing a phenomenal job recruiting. Uh, but, you know, he says, you know, getting kids to come to Fayetteville is a little more challenging versus, you know, Tallahassee or other places he's been, you know, more destination, vacation, destination type spots, uh, other places he's been where there are, you know, more direct ways to get there. But they always feel if they can get players to Fayetteville, then they can get them signed. And I think in this day and age with things like NIL and just how the landscape has changed with college football, if you have the right coaches, which I really like this defensive coaching staff, Marcus Woodson, I think Darren Wilson, Travis Williams, all those guys from SEC territories, I think all those guys are really nice additions to the staff. To go along with Deke Adams for a little continuity for once on the defensive line, um, those guys can recruit and they can hit that portal I mean, bringing in Jaheim Thomas, Keon Stewart, I mean, the two Baylor guys, those are really solid additions for a program that had nine guys exit from the secondary to bring in five like they did, you know, in addition to the recruits that they brought in. Uh, and some of that was already done before they got here. But 
I think they've really reshaped a lot of the things in the secondary, and it was very important to do. I don't even know where I started on that question. O-line and wide receivers. The offensive line, I, I think, is going to be better than they were last year. I think some of the things that they've done in the weight room, you know, lifting more often, they, they increase the amount of time that they spend, you know, the days that they lift weights. I think that was part of a problem that they had last year, especially getting the push. I mean, the offensive line was good until they got in the 20 or short yardage or goal line, you know, and, and then it was just like could not get an inch. I mean, time and time again. So that was a big struggle for them. Uh, I mentioned I like Kudis. I, I think Devon Manuel has so much potential. I mean, 6'9", 310. This dude has a lot of potential. Cody Kennedy said he may have said 390 when he first got here, but he would be stunned if he wasn't tipping the scales over 400, over 400 pounds. He's completely transformed himself. He got Bo Lemmer back. Bo Lemmer's stronger than he's ever been, and he's always pretty much been the strongest guy on the team for a long time. Uh, so I think maybe when he was like a redshirt freshman, Jonathan Marshall was the strongest guy on the team. So Bo Lemmer's back, Brady Latham. Latham has, what, 36 starts under his belt, something like that for his career. I think Lemmer has 29. 28 of Bo Lemmer's starts were at guard. And the last one, the 29th start, was at center. So I think I think that was good for Bo to be able to get that game in, in under his belt, knowing what to expect, playing a game at center, you know, heading into the spring, heading into now. So, uh, And then, you know, Joshua Braun, I think I, maybe kind of the wild card there. I have not paid a whole lot of attention to Joshua Braun. In fact, it was brought to my attention because Curtis was writing a story on Joshua Braun, and I do all the photos. All the photos you see on Hog Sports, I do. You know, except for, like, game stuff. That's generally um, USA Today sports images. But, like, practice photos and stuff, I take all those. And so he, Curtis was writing an article on Braun, and I hadn't taken a picture of him. So I, I, I took a lot of pictures of Joshua Braun today, but uh, for some reason I just haven't focused in on Braun a whole lot. I've been focused on those tackles a lot. I don't know if that's me like thinking, okay, he's most likely going to be a solid player for him or, or what. But you know, Braun's six six, three forty eight. He's the biggest starter on the offensive line for him. So I mean, I feel good about the individual players on the rosters, and I, I feel like they're coming together better as a team. I don't think there was any question there was some strife in the locker room last year. And I feel like they made a big point of emphasis to improve on that. Don't know until we see the product on the field, but believe this will be one of the best defense the Razorbacks had in quite some time. I mean, I just would like to see an average defense, just an average defense. I mean, if they're average, I, I think the offense will be pretty explosive. So if they're – one of the best they put on the field in a long time. And when was the last really solid defense that Arkansas had? Probably 2013. The year they had Martrell Spate, uh, Darius Phylon, Trey Flowers, uh, Tevin Mitchell. All those guys went to the NFL. They were all drafted. That was a good defense. That was the last time that Arkansas, where you said, man, they got a really, really good defense. Like, really good. And they've had – I mean, I think they were like 10 and 11th in total defense and scoring defense that year. They've had other defenses that have had their moments and stuff, but like throughout the course of a season, that was up there. T.J. Lewis says defense helps win championships. It definitely helps win. I think the quote is defense wins championships, but you got to have offense too, sure. Dustin Hooven says also strength and conditioning changes. How many people can run over 20 miles an hour now? 
a lot of them, a lot of them. But you know, there's football speed and and track speed. You know, um, I've seen plenty of fast guys who couldn't play football that well. So, but yeah, um, it, they they do have some good speed on the team, and they're faster than they were last year. We know that. We know that they're faster than they were last year. Clint Stacy Patterson says, "What is your opinion of the O line and wide receivers?" I think I covered that pretty much. Dustin Hoofman says, "Heard some of the rule changes this season. No clock stoppage." Am I going backwards? Uh, Facebook just bounces all over the place. Yep, it bounced me. How do the punters look? So I was thirty-seven and thirty-one. I was watching them and clocking some of their punts, and I'm getting like four-seven, four-nine-five hang times pretty consistently with those guys. I, I haven't seen them just shank one now. Who knows what happens when the lights come on? They have got to be better punting. If you go back and look at all those cl- close games that they lost last year, every single one of them had a punting issue. Every single one of them had a punting issue. Whether it was a 20-yard shank or, you know, an opportunity to pin somebody deep and you just boot it out of the back of the end zone, not even close, you know. They all had punting issues last year. So, I don't know what it is, but, like, I can go back in my head and probably recall every punter that Arkansas has had going back to Matt Waite. I think Matt Waite played at Lake Hamilton. And that's, like, what, mid-'90s? And Arkansas always had a good quality punter. And then suddenly one day they just didn't, and it feels like it's just been forever since they've had a guy that you you know you can always count on this guy. I mean, it's been since – Sam Irwin Hill, maybe? Or maybe the guy after him. Was it Toby Baker after him? He was a solid punter. Maybe it's been since him. I mean, I don't know what it is, but... And Max Fletcher has a big, big... Like, he can he can boot the hell out of the ball. But it's just the inconsistency, you know? It's just like, it's great to boot it, but it's, game, it's a game, and, you know, you're at midfield, and you decide to punt it, and... You know, it's a 20-yarder. <laughs> All right, got to find my spot here. Okay, that was it. That was from Brian Malone on the punters. Matthew Lowe says, interested to see if Ian Giffard plays some. That man is huge. He is enormous. Like, he walked by me. I, I think I mentioned this on the last show, but he's just everything from his noggin to his feet. I mean, this dude, he's a big – Six five three ninety four. I mean, that's, that's all you have to say there. It's surprising to me how he actually moves. I was expecting him to be like I, – I use the word dumpy kind of sometimes when I, when I describe people who are, you know, athletes who are, you know, maybe a little – their neck, ankles are like cankles, you know, kind of stuff. But he's not that. He's – I was surprised at how well he's actually put together. And, I mean, he's he's just a massive dude. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play a lot this year. I mean, you never know what's going to happen with injuries and stuff. You know, there, as we were saying, there, you know, injury. Somebody's going to get you. You could lose, easily lose a starter in, in camp, and they've had some guys out. Um, you know, as part of our deal to be able to watch practices, we're not supposed to comment on all the injury stuff until Sam Pittman does. But we know Devon Manuel. He's commented on him, obviously. Sam Bakke. That's a tough one. Because let me tell you something. Bakke is one of the least talked about four-star receivers that I have ever come across. Like, nobody was talking about him last year as a freshman. He was a four-star recruit. And this year, guys, I mean, every time I looked up, Bakke was catching 
a deep ball for 50, 60 yards, and I'm talking against Snacks or Jaheim Singletary, you know, like guys who are going to start for him. Like he was making some plays now. And 6'3", 205, good-looking kid, and now has the injury. They didn't say specifically the type of knee injury, but it's the kind that keeps you out the whole season. I think we all know what that is. But that's tough, but thank goodness they have Isaiah Satania and Bryce Stevens, Isaac Tesla, Tyrone Broden, Andrew Armstrong. I could see big things for Andrew Armstrong. He has looked really good these last few days. And Tesla is just, you know, I don't want to say you take him for granted, but he's just like consistent, consistent, consistent. Watch Kudis dominate, says Bobby Hobson. I think Kudis has so much ability. He really does. And to be so young. It's a crybaby excuse. Dustin Hoofman says 10 wins, including the bowl game. Arkansas goes 2-2, two and two, four-game stretch, wins against A&M and Ole Miss. So I've said before, if Arkansas goes 2-2 two and two in that stretch, then I like them to win 10 games because that is such a brutal stretch. If they have the chops to go 2-2 two and two in that stretch, watch out. Michael Polk says 9-3, and 5-3. and three, I have a feeling we have a top 20 defense. Calm down, Michael. Let's don't get let's don't get too crazy. <laughs> I think that they're going to have a pretty good. I mean, it starts on the defensive line, right? I mean, I just I haven't seen a defensive line like that, and I've seen good players on the defensive line. I mentioned Trey Flowers, Darius Phylon. You know, that was part of a pretty good defensive line. But was Dietrich Wise young a young player on that team also? Um, you know, in Dietrich Wise and. Uh, Jeremiah Ledbetter, they, uh, they've had really good defensive linemen, you know. But just the the idea that it's like three deep, you know. I mean, there, there are years where that third group would be starters for them, you know, or the second group would be starters for them. I think maybe if I highlight these questions. Could Dominic Johnson get back for, to form and be the second back? Dominic Johnson looks so much better than he did last year. Like, I remember seeing him out there, and it's like, man, he looks kind of a little chunky to me. But he was moving pretty well, you know, when he came out there last year. And that would have been – like, when he came out there last year would be about a year ago on Monday because he didn't go through spring. So, to me, he looks better physically. He looks – I mean, his physique looks different, even though he's listed at the same weight. His physique looks different. I think Dominic could. There was actually – so the first day I saw him do two running backs was yesterday, and somebody said that they did it the day before too. But at the first time I saw it personally, and, I, you know, I'm all over. There's two practice fields. But the first time I saw it was yesterday. And there, at one time they have Dominic Johnson and Rocket Sanders and K.J. Jefferson. And it's they had him like right here, you know, right by him, not in the back behind him or anything. So it's – it's it's Dominic Johnson, two fifty two, KJ Jefferson two forty seven, Rocket Sanders two forty two. I mean, that's a big backfield. But yeah, I think Dominic can absolutely. He's still wearing the knee brace. Sam Pittman said he could ditch it, so I don't know if it's a comfort thing or what. But it's got to come off at some point, you know, before the season starts. Michael Polk says, how much blessing you think they'll do this year we have to have pressure on the QB to help the DBs? 
It'll be interesting to see how much pressure they just get with the four defensive linemen and if they feel like they really need to bring a lot. However, Travis Williams, based on his history at UCF, likes to bring pressure. You know, they do. They would do a lot of cover, cover zero and stuff there. So, Pittman says he's not too keen, I don't think, on, on cover zero, but I think we are going to see some pressure this year. They didn't generate a lot of sacks at UCF last year. The year before, I think they had 36, which is a pretty decent number. Arkansas had 42, which – I believe, is a program record. There's a lot of sacks. It's amazing they had so many sacks and such poor pass defense. Does Clark look significantly bigger than last year to you? So, I I looked at Clark today. I kind of sized him up a little bit. Um, you can definitely tell in his shoulders and arms that he is more muscular than he's been in the past. No question about it. Uh, he doesn't – you know, Clark doesn't have, like, the same type of frame as, like um, – Al Walcott, you know, but Al Walcott, Walcott's listed at 6'2". I th- I'd say he's probably about 6'1", but he's probably, what, like 213 or something like that, 210. Um, and Clark is, you know, he's put on 12 pounds since last season. You can tell he's never going to be just like a hulking safety back there. But 12 pounds of muscle is going to go a long way for him because, I, first of all, I think it's a positive move for him to go from corner to safety. I think that's a more natural fit for him. Uh but where he struggled is, you know, stopping the run, you know, getting, you know, going and facing up against a 220-pound running back, and you know how you know how that's going to go. So now for him to have more strength on him, I think is going to help him a whole lot. Matthew Lowe says, wasn't Dylan Breeding a good punter? Dylan Breeding was, but Dylan was back in Petrino age, right? Yeah. Let's see when Dylan Breeding was. I'm pretty sure he was back, you know, before Sam Irwin Hill and Toby Baker. Let's see. Dylan Breeding. No, I don't have a classification from him. 2012-ish. He was 20, 2012, he was second team All-SEC. So he was Petrino era. Yeah, he was another good one. He was a well-regarded guy as a recruit. Jim Stahlkup says, how about the O-line? I think I pretty much covered the O-line. Do we have ability to each spot on the line? How about depth on the line? Uh, I don't think the second-team offensive line is the same quality as the second-team defensive line. I mean, and think about it. You're talking about a senior in Zach Williams, a super senior. I guess Shot Stewart's a true senior. So you got a super senior at one end another senior at the other end, and then who are you talking about as a second team? I mean, it could be a combination of a lot of people. Is it Kiwi Rose? Is it Tank Booker? Is it Torian Carter? Eric Gregory? I mean, there's there's a lot of guys on the defensive line for him. So, to me, the backup offensive line, which I think it's some guys with promise, Andrew Chambly, but he's been working with the first team, you know, because Manuel's been out. Um yeah, uh, Marion Harris, who I think still has got to cook a little bit longer, but I think he has so much potential. Takias Crawford, who's obviously a guy that's probably will help them this year, probably going to be their their next offensive lineman, the six man type guy, can play guard or tackle. They've been working him at both in camp. Um, you know, center. I think you got Amari Wiggins there, who's a newer guy. We don't know his whole much. You know, Amari's not a, a massive offensive lineman. You know, he's he's probably six three. He's not just a huge guy out there. So I, I think you take a little bit of a step back on the offensive line, no question, from the first team. But I think it's I think it's a bigger step back from the first team offensive line to the second team offensive line versus uh, 
the first team defensive line to the second team defensive line. All right. I'm going to cut it at questions right here, and I'm going to go backwards until I caught up to the next one. Garrett Isabel, it's the last question we're taking. Call me crazy, but LSU, A&M, Ole Miss doesn't scare me. I mean, scare is a strong word. Like, who scares you? Georgia is scary. You know, going at Tuscaloosa, playing Alabama, those are scary games, you know. So, who scares you? I know they can go to Baton Rouge and beat LSU. I've seen them do it. I've seen them do it at night. Texas A&M, I've seen – I mean, the fact that the Texas A&M record has gotten the way it has is just ridiculous. I mean, there's so many close games that they've lost to them over the years. Um, Ole Miss and Oxford, that's not scary. I mean, these are all games you have to come and bring your A game. Anytime you go on the road, you have to bring your A-plus game anytime you do that. But who's scaring this particular team? I mean, Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Scare is a strong word because they played they played Alabama tough the year before last in Tuscaloosa. I mean, they played them tough. I don't know if you say anybody should just scare you. I wouldn't want to play Georgia and Athens again. That game certainly did not play out very well. Scott Kobe Reeves says. Have you seen enough to be excited, or are we still waiting to see how it's going to play out? I haven't seen enough, no. I So I can tell you a lot of stuff from people on the inside that have access, direct access. Uh, what I've seen in practices, which has been generally probably 30 minutes most days. Today was shorter because they had a shorter practice. Um, but I haven't seen, like, tackling to the ground. They haven't They haven't let us watch any of that. I've watched thud up. I've watched physical stuff with the offensive and defensive lines. But as far as like a running back coming through the hole and getting taken to the ground, I have not not seen that yet. So, have I seen enough? No. Based on what I've seen, based on what I hear from people, I think they got a solid squad. I mean, it, it it's it's harder today to predict what the season is going to be. But when I look at individual position, that's how I kind of approach the spring – or, excuse me, the camp. When I look at individual players, like, they got some players on this team. They really do, and they've got some depth. And it seems like the bond, the team bond is there, and I felt like that was just missing last year, and that's not something I ever would have predicted. You know, you go back and watch the Texas walk and talk after I did that – like where I was feeling about that that program, the state of the program at that point versus what happened last year, losing that Liberty game, never would have expected a Liberty loss. You should never lose to a program like Liberty. No disrespect to Liberty, but this is Arkansas and the SEC at home. You should never lose that game. Not a program that's, you know, established. It, shouldn't, it just shouldn't happen. Never never want to see that again. That Pittman can't lose another game like that. He just can't. I mean, people will turn. People will turn quick, you know. And I think my personal opinion on Pittman is Arkansas has the right man for the job. I, I really think that they do in Sam Pittman. Uh, from the way the program's run, the people that he's brought in, I mean, I, I can look at, you know, coaching staffs and what's going on you know, in the program, what I hear around the program and, and tell you, like, you know, they've got some problems here or they have some deficiencies or there's some issues. And, you know, I saw it some with Bielema's program. 
not on the level at all that I saw it with Chad's. And that was one reason I was so hard is because like, I did not feel like that there was progress in the right direction. I didn't feel like the players, I didn't feel like they would fight for them at all. And I just, the program was just in disarray everywhere I looked. You know, with Pittman, I don't see those same problems. I saw some issues pop up last year. I also saw 26 players hit the transfer portal and several staff changes. Several staff changes. And I think all that, not all of it, not all of it, there are some players that just left, you know, um, and there were some, you know, coaches that just left. But a lot, half of what they did in the offseason was to fix some of those issues that they were having. And I think a lot of it starts with Ben Souders. I think a lot of it starts with um, Marcus Woodson, Darren Wilson, Travis Williams. I think those are all big additions for this in terms of, you know, the culture of the team, the bond of the team improving, which I just didn't think I would see under Pittman. But Pittman's one man also, you know, and that's something that I've kind of learned about it. You know, it's, you know, Bobby Petrino had his finger on every single thing. You know, that's just kind of coach he was. You know, Petrino – or, excuse me, uh, Bielema – Bielema, going through every coach. Pittman, you know, I feel like has viewed his job as more of an overseer, you know, of, a, of you know, putting people in the place to succeed. And that's really – in most management styles, that's what you need to do. You know, Petrino just handled it differently. I think that's one reason when Petrino left, since he did have his finger on everything, everything just imploded. You'd like to think, you know, if Pittman moved on. And I, I've said this before, I think an ideal situation for, like, Pittman would be to continue coaching at Arkansas, have success, and pass it on to somebody. And I don't know who that would be. I'm a big Marcus Woodson fan, but I don't know who that would be. But I think in this landscape of college football, the last thing you want to do is start over with a new coaching staff. If you can avoid that and you can promote from within – because – you can lose half your team in an instant. And maybe you do some good work in the transfer portal and stuff, but, I mean, how many people work for Sam Pittman? How many people work under him? 60? 60 60-something maybe? And that's not including the players. You know, I mean, maybe they're employees now. I don't know. But I'm talking about, like, people who, you know, are defined as employees. And, you know, basically – what, two-thirds of those people will be finding new jobs. Uh, it's a lot of changeover. And it, usually that first year is is a struggle. Now, it's different with the transfer portal, but obviously the ideal situation, you know, is it kind of goes like that because that means you've been winning. you got a culture. You've got a way of doing things. And, you know, you just kind of seamlessly, ideally go to the next phase with a new coach. I'm not saying that's happening anytime soon with Pittman. I mean, he's just 62. But – that's kind of how I think about it. I know I hear a lot about Tesla and Armstrong. Do you think Broden is underrated a bit? I think he'll have a good year. No, I think Broden will do some good things. I think it'll be Tesla, Armstrong, 1-2, 1-A, 1-B, uh, and then Broden, maybe the next guy. Uh, in terms of the outside receivers, I think Isaiah Satania will catch a lot of balls also out of the slot. But, yeah, I think those are your, your – I think Tesla, Broden, Armstrong, Satania are the – top four guys right now. And I would have put Bakke in that conversation, maybe Bryce Stevens also. Jaden Wilson's doing some good things too. But to me, the four are, you know, those that I just mentioned. 
Michael Polk says, what are my toss-up games? Um, I mean, any toss-up, like going at Baton Rouge, they're going to be picked to lose pretty defiantly. I mean, they're going to be picked to lose that game. So do I say that's – and I think they can win it, but I don't know if I could say that's a toss-up game because Ole Miss, Texas A&M, I mean, any game away from home – against a team that I feel like they would beat at home, maybe would be considered a toss-up. Florida, you know, what's Florida going to look like? What's Auburn going to look like when they get to Auburn, you know? I mean, every game in the SEC is kind of a toss-up. <laughs> yeah, there's some questions like that. Which game scare you the most this year? Scare me. I just don't know that I would say somebody scares me except for, you know, going to Tuscaloosa is always tough. Somebody twisted my words around in the comments also that I said uh, I'm never going to pick them to beat Alabama. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think they can ever beat Alabama. It just means – and that's not what I said. I said I'm never going to pick them to win, you know, as long as Saban's got this thing going the way it is to go to Tuscaloosa and win. I'm not going to make that pick just because it hasn't happened. I didn't say it can't ever happen, but – it's amazing what people hear sometimes. We will end up top 10 at the end of the year, 10 and 2. Arkansas is due for a 10 and 2. I hear you, Trey Andrews. Arkansas is due for a 10 and 2. It happens every once in a while. It hadn't happened in a while. I don't think that they – like, I could say certain teams that they have – are never going to win 10 games. I would not say this about this team. I would not say that this team has no chance to win 10 games. I wouldn't say that. I don't think they're going to win 10. But there have been teams where I would say there's no way in hell they're winning 10. I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. I would be I would be surprised if this team went 7. I see a lot of national pundits. It's kind of a – you know, not against anything, anybody, but that's kind of a safe pick for Arkansas to say they win seven. I just think, you know, you got maybe the best quarterback in the SEC coming back, Rocket Sanders. I think they'll be okay on the offensive line, especially considering um, I didn't think they were that great on the offensive line last year and they won seven games and lost four games by nine points. Okay. I think we've caught everything. Jeremy Cook says, what are the chances of the Hogs having a Heisman and runner-up candidates? Uh, extremely slim. <laughs> it just is. To win the Heisman, so I have a Heisman vote. I'm not going to vote, in most cases, for a quarterback unless they like win their division. Like To me, you need to win your division as a quarterback. Now, Maybe a team like Arkansas that hasn't necessarily been a program that wins the division every few years. Maybe I would, maybe I would have some leniency on that thought. Like if KJ put up just absurd numbers, maybe I would change my thought on that. But that goes back to Tim Tebow as a redshirt sophomore, and everybody made a big deal about the first sophomore to win the Heisman, even though Darren McFadden was two weeks younger than Tim Tebow. Nobody talked about it. But everybody made a big deal of that, and I just feel like the the push from ESPN to win, get Tim Tebow the Heisman that year, um, that frustrated me. And the fact that they also finished third in the West, or excuse me, third in the East, 
He's a quarterback. He's the quarterback on a team that won the national championship the year before when he wasn't starting, and then he starts the next year, and just because he gets a bunch of goal line carries, see what you're doing, you get me. That's something from forever ago, and it's, it's getting me riled up. But that kind of goes back to my philosophy on, you know, where my Heisman votes are going to go. And I'm just not going to vote a quarterback, especially a quarterback at a, you know, program that's been winning if they finish third in their division like Florida did that year. Don't get me riled up here. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining me. We'll be back with you guys. I'm not sure if we'll start the regular Monday, Thursday deal next week or not. We might start doing that. I just haven't decided. It just depends on how things go because we are still a couple of weeks away from a game when that point gets here. So I want to thank everybody for joining me. Appreciate all the new members that have signed up here lately. You've uh, um, you've been great. I appreciate that. You've had some great opportunities. It is $1 for one month right now at Hogsports, H-A-W-G-Sports.com. So if you want to get in and follow the season with us at Hogsports, all our inside information on a more regular basis, not just every once in a while when I do the show, then sign up at H-A-W-G-Sports.com, 24-7 Sports Network. There's a reason it's 24-7 Sports. Our doors don't close. It's not like a It's not like anything else. I mean – I'm always on call. So uh, go check us out at hawgsports.com. Just $1 right now for your first month. If you haven't signed up, if you haven't signed up for our Hog Sports newsletter, you can do that. We'll send all our free content to your email inbox. You can also sign up for free text alerts where we put out any breaking news uh, that we have going on uh, that will be sent to your phone so you can know where your buddies are. Those are both free services that we offer. We do free content, we do VIP content, two different ways. Uh, to get your Razorback coverage. But if you want the in-depth stuff, you need a VIP membership at Hog Sports. All right, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just go do that real quick. Even if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, just go pop over to Apple Podcasts, throw us that five-star review or whatever podcast service you listen to. We would love to have that from you. All right, everybody, thanks for your questions. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, this has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time.